Welcome to the Pemberley Podcast, a podcast where we discuss Jane Austen adaptations, now covering Sanditon. I'm Yolanda Rodriguez. And I'm Jillian Davis. We're proud partners of the Frolic Podcast Network, a community made up of your favorite voices in all of Romancelandia and beyond. Keep up with us on Twitter and Instagram at the Pemberley, and email us any questions at thepemberleypodcast at gmail.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Pemberley Podcast. How are you doing, Jillian? I'm doing all right, you know, still hanging in there, still just staying inside a lot. (laughs) Yes, not much has changed since our last episode. We're still indoors. Yep. (laughs) Separately from the safety of our own homes. Yep, that's true. But because our lives are very boring present tense, is there anything coming up in the near future that you want to talk about? I'm so glad you asked, Jillian, (laughs) because there is actually a great update. While everyone's home, you have lots of time to plan for this. So previously, we've done a couple episodes about JASNA, which is the Jane Austen Society of North America. We've attended a couple of their events and covered them for different episodes. This year, I think annually, actually, they've held this film, Young Filmmakers contest, and it's typically only been open to students, but this year they made a change and they've opened it up to anyone under the age of 30. And this is focused on amateur filmmakers. So sorry if you're like super experienced and you're listening to this. If you're Steven Spielberg and you're listening to this, this is not for you. You can't enter. He's also not under 30. Oh, right. So this Young Filmmakers contest is obviously all focused around Jane Austen. The exciting thing about this year is that this marks the 25th anniversary of the 1995 Pride and Prejudice, Persuasion, Sense and Sensibility, and Clueless, (laughs) which is crazy to think that these all came out in 1995. That was a big year for Austin adaptations, apparently. I mean, we're also kind of in a a year right now, too. I mean, we had Emma, we have Sanditon, Mm -hmm. End of List. Yep. But, you know. <laughs> That's two. That's a lot. That's two. The film competition uh, is basically you create a five-minute short film, either inspired by Jane Austen's life and different works of hers, or you could also focus on adapting something from one of those specific adaptations. So, yeah, it's this really awesome opportunity. There's uh, a money prize to be won, and a year membership to Jasna, And I believe these are all then, uh, or at least the winner is screened at one of their final events in December. The deadline for this is October 30th. So there's definitely time. Mm-hmm. You have time to plot out what you want to do. And there's hopefully a time once we're off quarantine to film this. And, or even, you know, find innovative ways to film it at home. Lots of possibilities. I feel like quarantine kind of is your planning time. And then hopefully within the next month or so, we can get out of here, do the filming and the execution, and then edit and whatever else goes into making a film. So if you want to find more information about this, you can go to jasnasw.com and you can find more information about their Young Filmmakers Contest. So hope you enter and hope to see your short films. We have uh, no stake in this. We just want to see cool short films about Jane Austen. (laughs) It is our goal to see more Jane Austen content in the world. So tell your friends, 
Tell your film nerd making friends if you feel like this is not your jam. Tell the people whose jam it is. So speaking of Jane Austen adaptations, let's get into Zanditon. So with episode six, the PBS logline is Charlotte and Sydney must reconcile in order to help a friend. Do they specify what friend? No, but we quickly find out who it is. It is Georgiana, the one who got kidnapped in the last episode. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, so at the end of the last episode, so many things, we ended on major cliffhangers. Georgiana kidnapped. Esther had rejected Babington. Sydney and Charlotte are still like on weird terms. We'll see if things progress there. And Tom finally was revealed as uh, not being great, uh, not being a great businessman. So we knew uh, that, but it got dramatic because the men aren't getting paid. Yes. And now everyone knows that too. So even though his whole family has put so much into this, Tom really is screwing it all up. And now everyone knows. Yep, it's all out in the open. The other thing that happened was that Lady Denim collapsed and fell quite ill at the end of the last episode. My money's on seawater, but what do I know? I'm not a doctor. So that's what we're coming out of and hopefully resolving in this episode, which is a quite dramatic episode. There's drama. Oh yeah, definitely. So at the end of the last episode too, Charlotte, despite Mary Parker telling her to not go, decides to go off to London on her own to find Georgiana. She does feel responsible for what's happened and wants to help in any way she can. So she heads off to London on her own and gets to London when it's very dark. It's grungy. There's a lot of people out in the streets. It's dangerous. And I can't imagine poor young Charlotte, who's really only seen her hometown, is now in somewhere very new, doesn't know anyone in London, and is hoping that the one address she has is right. I can't believe (laughs) that. She doesn't even have a map. She doesn't have a map. I can't believe that. Especially when I think about all the British literature that existed at the beginning of the 19th century. Like, everything was dreary. You know, Dickensian was a term to refer to the dreariness and the gloom and the lack of child labor laws and how dark it was there. And Charlotte's Mm -hmm. like full on just there. I can't imagine living my life that way where I have one address, I have a very finite amount of money, and I've just got to hope that the person who gave me an address, it's the right one that I'm going to like, because, you know, what does she expect to find Georgiana there? She was kidnapped. What's her plan once she finds the right address? Well, I think her plan was to find Otis to try to get answers. Right. Because, I mean, in in one way, she does trust that this is his address because she's been receiving letters back. That's true. So, obviously, he has been writing back and receiving these letters. So, she's, at least in her mind, being of full faith, being like, yes, this is where he lives. But unfortunately, she goes to this place and it's not a home. It's like this pub. The owner is like, I think Otis comes around here sometimes, but like he doesn't live here. I live here. It's like Otis sometimes picks up his mail here. And I must see him. It is a matter of great urgency. I've traveled a good many miles to get here. Well, then you've had a wasted journey, ain't you, Duchess? It's suddenly now dawning on Charlotte that like, oh no, I'm in this big scary city all on my own at night. And I definitely don't know what to do now. Yeah. So she's on her own and she's 
walking down this alleyway when she's about to get mugged or worse. And suddenly, someone comes to her rescue. Mm -hmm. Very, very lucky. (laughs) And uh, that certain someone is Sidney Parker, which, honestly, it's a good thing he's there because Georgiana is his ward and he has allowed her to get away twice he has to be the like it's only right that he should be the one to rescue her he's like the closest thing to a father figure that she has so it was nice of sydney to just rescue a random girl that turned out to be charlotte he had no idea charlotte even went there exactly so it's a surprise to them both of like wait you're here yeah and so it's like sydney got there somehow quicker or maybe around the same time as charlotte and they found each other so thankfully charlotte isn't going to be on her own Um, And now they just really got to figure out what's going on and try to find Otis because right now the only key to finding Georgiana is through Otis. Yep. So they sort of team up as like a Batman and Robin situation to find it. I would feel so much more comfortable with Sydney because he frequents London. And even though he is a higher born man, I believe it was like the first episode where we saw him like engaging in an underground fight ring. So he knows that he like hangs out with the dark side, you know? He's like, I, I would like trust his direct sense of direction kind of like in the background of this too someone else who's in london is tom parker because he wrote mary a letter just before he left of being like i'm gonna try to solve this sorry but again he should just like talk to his wife yeah i get that he's writing out his feelings and maybe he's like trying to do this last ditch effort to like go to london try to solve his problems and just like writes her a letter another parker will be in london soon what is his london plan like what is do we find i forget do we find out what he is doing there is there someone he's talking to or what I don't know. Or is he just going to do Sydney's job where he finds fashionable people and takes them to Sanditon? I think a bit of both. I think it's like trying to get, trying to find money, more money, and also trying to find fashionable people to come to Sanditon, which I mean, we do end up seeing later at the ball, but he's just trying to do anything. And like, he can't do anything in Sanditon. Like, there's nothing he can do there to get any more money or any more people. So he's doing the only thing he can think of, which is to go to London. That's true. Like Lady Denim is the only person in town with, you know, investment money. We're finding out a little bit more about Otis, or at least because we only know about Otis from our one day of him being a nice romantic boyfriend. But there's a reason that Sydney wants to keep him away from Georgiana. And it's because he says that Otis probably only wants to marry Georgiana for her money. And he's got a gambling problem. Yeah, we get a little bit more from Sydney's perspective of like why he doesn't like Otis. Charlotte, too, is still a little bit like anti-Sydney because of the whole slavery thing. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, Sydney outright states like, I despise slavery. But we still don't fully, he can hate something, but still profit off of it. So we don't fully know, even though like he says, yeah, I hate it, if he was still making money off of it and off the slave trade. So we don't still know those answers. Mm-hmm. That's true. But at least we we like him enough for hating slavery. So he's kind of back in Charlotte's good graces. And he's come to save Georgiana. And he yeah. has real reasons for disliking Otis. I think the fact that they found each other in London, Sydney and, and um, what's her name? Charlotte. <laughs> Charlotte. I mean, she finds it admirable at least that she's like, okay, like he really does care for Georgiana. 
Diana. Like, he's not just trying to make her life miserable. He's trying to look after her and her money because, like, she's only got so much in the world, you know? <laughs> yeah. She's sort of out of people to care about her. And so it's nice that Sydney is that person. Since Otis doesn't live at the pub, they sort of find him at this abolitionist meeting. That's where we sort of see him in his element more, find out about his gambling problem. And this was a interesting thing because, like, from the balcony, Sydney is like, Otis Molyneux, he like calls him out in the middle of a meeting. And I'm like, all right, Sydney, be more dramatic. <laughs> and you know what? That's not even the most dramatic thing that Sydney does in this episode, as we will find out later when he jumps on a carriage. That's very dramatic. Like, Sydney is just like, I like that him in action is just a flaming drama queen. It's very funny. Pretty much. Um, yeah, yeah. So, this is where we find out that Otis has been running his big fat mouth around town that he's going to marry Georgiana. And uh, we're like, I don't know about that. I don't know if that's a great idea. So basically, Otis had no idea that he and Georgiana were even supposed to meet up. So obviously, he wasn't in Sanditon. So the letter was intercepted at the pub. There's no postal security. So someone else got the letter, unfortunately. And like, it sucks. It's just really bad luck because every other letter had obviously been getting it to him safely and he had been writing love letters back. But this one letter where like, she's like, yes, meet me at this place, this time, this day is the one that gets away from him. So then we find out it's really because he has a gambling problem. He's had this debt and they're after him. So if he's been hiding, they're just going to try to grab whatever they can try to like get him to pay, which unfortunately was Georgiana. Because Otis has no money to pay those debts, Georgiana was literally sold to pay off this debt. So we're in way more of a mess than we were before. We were hoping that like they'll find Otis Otis will lead them to Georgiana, we'll find Georgiana, but no. Literally, she's been sold, and this just feeds more into Sydney like, I hate Otis. <laughs> well, honestly, in the moment right now, I kind of hate Otis too. What with his bragging that he's going to marry this rich girl and gambling debts, I get like a little bit of Wickham vibes from him, you know, like, because we've been thinking he's this great guy and he's perfect for Georgiana and they're just like so in love. And it turns out maybe he was like a little more into her money than he should have been. I think later I don't agree with that because I think right now we're again getting a very specific perspective, especially from like the, the guy who's collecting the debt. He's like, oh yeah, he's been bragging all the time. But obviously that looks bad because we don't actually know what he's been saying. Yeah. Do I think Otis is a great guy? No. But I don't I don't think he's he's Wickham. I don't think he's deceitful. I don't think he's no. like purposefully trying to to manipulate Georgiana in a way just to get her money. I think he does really have real feelings for her, but he just got really looped into this mess of gambling and bragging about her and people know that she's rich. So it's just like, it doesn't look good on him. By the end of this episode, I still think he's a great guy who's just kind of stupid. But <laughs> I feel like we are being led to believe that he maybe not, he doesn't really love Georgiana and uh, he cannot be trusted with money. So then we see actually Georgiana, who thankfully is safe, but she's with the guy who bought her and he's the 
one who fully tells her, yeah, Otis sold you because of his debts. So it's really just like another knife to the heart of like, she, this person who she trusted and who she's in love with, she thinks is the one who sold her. So yep. not great. Not a lot of happy thoughts when she's like in this brothel with this like no. fat rich man who's just like eating gross food in front of her. So that's not like a great place to be, but at least she's safe. Back in Sanditon, Lady Denim appears to be on her deathbed and she's chugging more seawater, which in my humblest of opinions is the whole reason she's sick in the first place. But whatever, the new conflict in Sanditon becomes about Lady Denim's will. Because the whole reason that these three kids, like Clara, Edward, and Esther are sucking up to Lady Denim is because they want her to give them her entire fortune. We learn that like she did have a will made up. And so it becomes Clara and Edward's mission to find this will so that they can know where they stand and get rid of it if it's not in their favor. Edward is literally tearing the house apart and like this desk apart to try to find this will. Esther's just like looking at him like, all right, you you do you. You're going to do that. I'm just going to like hope for the best at this point. Because really, Esther's worried about it, but, like, what is she going to do? Like, the house is huge. Like, where could it possibly be? I think she's also, of the three of them, I mean, she becomes a standout character as, like, the least selfish of them. I think she starts care- like, actually caring about Lady Denim's health and less about the fortune. Like, I think that Babington was a really good influence on her because when she was with Edward, he convinced her that, like, once we have this old lady's money, then our lives will be perfect then everything will be fixed, then we can be together. And I think that when she was shown like a snippet of what real love could be, she was like, this is all stupid. I don't want to keep deceiving anyone. Like she's a good person and she doesn't want to deceive anyone. And so Clara and Edward are like, fine, more money for me. So they kind of descend into madness, tearing up the house. (laughs) So then at that point when Edward is tearing the desk apart, Clara walks in and is like looking for this. And she has... (laughs) She has the will. She's found it. And they open it and they find out that none of them are getting anything. So their really deceitful ways has been for nothing because Lady Denim was like, forget all of you. None of you are getting money. And I love that even knowing this, she's been still trying to get them like to be like, ooh, you're not, are you going to get my money? Maybe. But (laughs) this whole time she's known that none of them are getting any of her money. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what I, if I were old and I had nothing to do and nobody really loved me, I'd be like, fine, I'll like con you all into being my puppets until I die. And then it's like, surprise, none of you are getting rewarded because you're all terrible. That's where Clara and Edward are like, okay, we need to destroy this real will and come up with a plan. I mean, this is where I'm sort of confused because if there's no will, then who gets to decide if any of them get anything? Yeah, I don't know. I think typically it would defer. I think now it's like it would defer back to the government to decide, but I don't know how things were in that time. So I guess in this case, they it would defer back to the Denim estate. So then the Denim estate is all of them. Or really just Edward, it's I think. Edward, but- I think. Because he, he and Esther have the Denim name. So yeah. Clara tries to cut a deal because she basically knows that if there's no will then by default, he'll just inherit all of it. 
And so she blackmails him. I could go to Lady Denham right now and confess to everything with four or five servants and a doctor to witness it. You wouldn't dare. What have I to lose? And he agrees to it, and then they have sex on the floor. Very, <laughs> very dramatic. Like, anyone could walk in. Like, it's like they burn the will, and they're like, oh my god, that was so hot. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it makes you feel even worse for Esther, because she turned Babington away because Edward was messing with her head again and promised like they could be together and they could properly be in love if she just sends him away and you know they can like take the old lady's money and run and it just shows that he doesn't care about her he only cares about himself so does Clara but whatever I guess in this moment too is where we see even though Edward thinks he's had control over this situation that really Clara is continuing to have more of the upper hand every step of the way because in being able to blackmail Edward and being like, we, I could tell them everything. That's how she really is trying to make sure that she holds on to at least one fifth. But then after they have sex, that's when she's like, oh yeah, it's nice that you like Esther or that she thinks that you two will be together forever. It would be terrible if she found out that we just were together, right? Mm. And that's where she cons him into getting a fourth of the fortune. I gotta hand it to Clara, like... I don't like the idea of Esther getting screwed over, but she knows how to play the game. Yeah, because I mean, she explicitly states it, but she's like, I have nothing to lose. So she's really just putting every possible trick out there to make sure that she secures a large sum of that money. Good idea, Clara. It, it's very heartless and ruthless and conniving. But like, you know, in this, like, I hate Edward so much, I kind of wouldn't mind Clara getting some money, you know? It sounds like she's had a horrible life, and I just hate Edward so much. <laughs> I guess that's the thing, too. It's like, maybe we should be pitting Clara more, but we just don't know enough about her to really care, to be like, yeah, she deserves a quarter or, like, more or all of it. But we're just like, all right, this girl's doing every anything she can to get money. So you know what? You've earned it at this point. <laughs> I mean, she is kind of like a snake in the grass. But like, yeah, you kind of like feel bad for how naive Esther is about her brother's intentions. Back in London, we have tracked down the brothel where Georgiana is being held. And Charlotte scandalously follows Sydney into the brothel where... It's not his first time in there. I just want to point that yeah. out. <laughs> the lady's like, do you want Do you want the usual? He says like, uh, not right now. I'm not here for that. But by the time they get in there to the CD brothel, um, Georgiana is gone. So they pursue her. And we get this is where we get another excellent dramatic Sydney Parker moment where they're in hot pursuit. They see the carriage just up ahead. They pull alongside. He jumps on the horses and like slows them down and is basically like, Give me Georgiana. We have nothing worth stealing. I beg to differ. Oh, no, you don't. She is my property. I am no man's property. Least of all yours. They luckily get her back and she is unharmed. And we're still mad at Otis for being stupid. But at least we find out that it's not like he he wants to marry her for her money. Like the money's a nice bonus, but he really does love <laughs> her for her. He's just a moron who gambles too much and is not protective of his male. There was like, a, now that Georgian is back home safe, and they're actually, since Tom Parker's in London, they have like a place that they can go to. There's like this really quick conversation between Tom and Sydney, where Tom's basically like, 
what could you have done? Like, it wasn't your fault. This whole thing was like a huge mess no one could have predicted. But Sydney is more like, well, uh, I am in charge of her and I should have been taking better care of her. And I think that's just where you see the difference in maturity and taking on responsibility between the two brothers. Because Tom's just like, well, it got resolved, didn't it? But Sydney's like, well, I could have prevented the things. If Sydney were the one running Sanditon, one, he never would have done it because it was doomed from the start. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, maybe he would have been the better businessman in running running the town. Or at least better at asking for help. Yeah. And then we have a, a conversation between Charlotte and Tom where Tom is like, poor Sydney was madly in love with this woman named Eliza years ago and she cut off their engagement to marry an older, richer man. And that's why he's so bitter. He's been bitter ever since then. And he used to be such a happy guy before that. And we're like, cool info, Tom. But it comes into play immediately after because we actually see Eliza at the ball. that they go to so georgiana and otis get their proper goodbye sydney finally apologizes to charlotte for trying to help just to touch a little more on the georgiana and otis goodbye sydney was the one who actually brought otis in which was really nice of him Mm because i mean this whole time he's been keeping them apart but i think maybe learning more about the situation sydney's like okay this kid just got wrapped up into a lot of trouble and this got way out of control like in a way that no one could have anticipated so he lets him at least have a proper goodbye and that's when otis really like pours his heart out because i couldn't believe that a man of my birth could win the heart of a woman like you it was pride that was all georgiana doesn't know what to believe at this point right because like great she's heard all these great words from otis and like he loves her and all these great nice things On the other hand, she just got kidnapped and was sold. And so she's like, I don't know what to believe. She's very conflicted. So it's not the loving parting goodbye that we maybe would have hoped for for them. But at least it's like the closing of a chapter on that for now. And Sydney pays off his debts. Which was a nice bonus for Otis. (laughs) I I think he should just be like, go to Gambling Anonymous or whatever it's called. And just stay there and not get in trouble ever again. So after that, they part ways and go to a fancy ball. Yeah, they got invited by Bambington to join in on this. And so they're like, cool, while in London, I guess. I mean, they deserve to have some fun. They just had the most dramatic thing ever happened to them and they deserve to have a good time for the evening um so tom parker is happy because he's just in a room full of rich people and he's able to be like hey if you like balls we've got balls in sanditon you should this is like a whatever ball you should see what we've got he's really hyping up the sea he's like the view and the brigada and he's literally passing out business cards that's hilarious he's like being like, have you heard of Sanditon? It's this great town. Business card. Literally, he hands it to a guy and the guy drops it on the floor after he walks away. <laughs> so it's like people couldn't care less about Sanditon, about Tom Parker. But he's at least in better spirits because all of the gentlemen like Babington and Crow and Sydney should all be also hyping up Sanditon around this ball. Tom's hopeful that, you know, at least more people, more exposure will be brought to the town. Sydney is very sweet to Charlotte because she's like, there are so many fancy ladies here in their fanciest clothes. I don't know about this. And he tells her that she is more than equal to any woman here, which is the nicest thing he's ever said to her. 
Yeah, it's like the one compliment, the first compliment I think we hear from Sydney to Charlotte. I mean, they're they're starting to turn uh, turn in their relationship now because it's gone from this very up and down relationship to now it feels like, oh, we're a little bit more on equal terms here. But I think it's interesting because Charlotte has came to Santa Tana as a very confident, young, maybe naive woman. And really, it's because of Sydney that she started to doubt herself and her place. Of course, she was would, the one. So yeah. mean. <laughs> he was the one to be like, "Well, you're opinionated, and you're the one who's like speaking out of turn." And suddenly, he's like, "You're equal to anyone," because really, I mean, he's been the one putting her down, but now he's building her back up. <laughs> it's like I would hate it. Like I'm glad Charlotte is a strong person because it would be horrible if her self-esteem lived and died with Sydney. But that nice thing that he says basically reminds her that she is in love with him, which R.I.P. Stringer. I mean, he's still alive, but like <laughs> yeah. not as like for a, a love option for Charlotte, as I so hoped. I think we as viewers hoped, but yeah. it's never even crossed Charlotte's mind. Yeah. So no, that's there, was, just... there was actually no real hope for it. I know, I'm just a little like, no, Charlotte, didn't you see how nice he is to you all the time? He's never, there's never any tumultuousness with him. So Charlotte realizes that she's in love with Sydney and runs off to one of the side rooms where she comes across a very elegant lady and she's like, what's wrong, kid? And she's like, oh, she spills her guts and uses real names to tell this strange lady, her, I would never do that. I would like... Look, if I'm, like, upset in a bathroom or something and someone's like, what's wrong? I'll give, like, highlights, okay? I'm just like, oh, <laughs> there's this boy. And it's like, that's all you get. And she's full on just like, hang on, let me get my diary here. Uh. Yeah, she's like, you know, I'm from Sanditon. Have you heard of Sanditon? And this guy, Sydney Parker, who's a gentleman, giving all these details. But I think it's it's both funny and sad because Charlotte really hasn't had this confidant to spill everything to. She can't go to Mary because obviously Mary is would then probably tell Tom and Tom would tell everyone and Sydney would find out. She can't tell yeah, she can't tell Georgiana because Georgiana hates Sydney. So she's had all these feelings and she's had no one to tell. The lady we find out is Mrs. Susan is getting all of this information at once <laughs> in a very short amount of time. And it doesn't piss her off. She's intrigued. She's like, get out of here. Like I think she's like a very elegant woman and I'm sure she had a lot of great love triangles and drama and everything as a young woman and she's just like man I missed this um <laughs> so she's spilling her guts to Mrs. Susan then Sydney comes in and she's like oh is this Sydney like go dance with him and so Sydney yeah. asks <laughs> she's like definitely like now that I like I hear your problem I see him and I'm telling you fight for him <laughs> they're having a great time and it's just like oh man is this gonna happen Wrong, totally wrong, because out of the corner of our eye enters a woman. She means nothing to us, but Sydney flips out because it's none other than Eliza, his former fiance who dumped him for an older, richer man, and she's here. And guess what? Her old, rich husband is dead. She's <laughs> single, she's on the market, and she's rich. 
I think it's it's really sad actually the way Charlotte finds out because she's now dancing with Tom Parker who's like Sydney is like way better now too because of a certain young woman and Charlotte's just like oh who could you possibly be talking about and he's like Eliza of course and we're like what Eliza just appeared in the last two seconds oof Sydney's whipped for her that's so weird it's so weird because he's just like so yeah. mean to everyone and so like oh I'm Sydney Parker and I just I have to take care of everyone and my life is so hard and then he's like <laughs> oh my gosh Eliza I love you and now it's tough for Charlotte because she was starting to think oh wow I could really deserve or be with a guy like Sydney and someone of status and someone like me a young farm girl but then she now has to compare herself to Eliza who like she is a woman of status there they have history she's rich and it's tough for Charlotte to compare herself to her. So now she's suddenly like, this guy was maybe a possibility, but now maybe not. It's tough out there. Love is hard. So that's really where the episode ends. I mean, thankfully, Georgiana is safe and heartbroken, unfortunately. The denim will is uh, burned and, you know, Claire is up to her deceitful ways still. Charlotte, you know, and Sydney could have been something, but we don't know. I mean, we don't know if Sydney will actually go back with Eliza because, I mean, she left him for an older, richer man. Would he still be willing to take her back? Because they do have the history, but also in that history, she broke his heart. It's crazy to think we only have two episodes left. Yeah, there's still so much to go over and so little time. So we'll yep. see. Stay tuned. Stay tuned.